It is always good to be with you and to have some time with you. And I got to be with some of the women yesterday. Oh, I'm losing paper. That's all right. Um, and that was a real privilege as well. One of the things that you heard in both song and in the scripture is this freedom and this beauty of living out this life of God. And yet, I think it's important that sometimes we want the fruit of the life of God, but can falter, all of us, including myself, in the ways that help us to encounter God who brings that freedom. And so I want to call you to an earlier passage in Exodus, Exodus 34, as a space and a way for us to begin to explore that theme. Moses 34, 29 to 35. Moses came down from Mount Sinai, and as he came down from the mountain with two tablets of the covenant in his hand, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, the skin of his face was shining, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him, and Moses spoke with them. And afterwards, all the Israelites came near, and he gave them in commandment all that the Lord had spoken with him on Mount Sinai. When Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take the veil off until he came out, and when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded. The Israelites would see the face of Moses, that the skin of his face was shining, and Moses would put the veil on his face again until he went in to speak with God. Let's pray. Our gracious God, we give thanks for the ways in which you call us to you. We give thanks for the ways in which you desire to set us free to live lives of love and joy and, and um and breaking out of all the places that confine us, our hearts and our beings. And so we ask that you would help us in this day, but also in the days to come to continue to encounter you fully, deeply, honestly. Have your way in us and between us and among us and through us. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. There's a few things in this particular passage that feels so important in the narrative of a people being formed into the people of God. We know that they've been this long journey. We know that they've had significant rebellion. We know that they've been called to repentance. And we have this beautiful story of Moses going before God, encountering God in ways that intercede for the people of God. And I think what's so striking for me in this picture is this shining face. What do we do with the shiny face? The, the people are afraid of the shining face, which is unusual for me. I'm, uh, if you, I'm very easily scared. Uh, some of my children don't like to sit near me if there's going to be any kind of I don't go to any scary movies anymore, but even a subtle scare, and I jump and I hit the person next to me. So that they sometimes give space when they know there's something that's going to happen. But so if I read something and go, why are they afraid? It's, that's a, 
yeah, a pretty low threshold there for me about what makes me afraid. And when I think of a shining face, I don't usually think of fear, do you? When I think of a shining face, I think of joy or, um, or a, a coming out of a day that was filled with goodness and celebration. I think of back when Bruce and I were first dating and I went to pick him up at the airport because we were dating long distance at that time and he comes off the plane, off the flight and his face is shining and I think, oh, look how happy he is to see me. And then I discovered that he ran into the Celtics at the airport and he was still... <laughs> and this was in the 80s, so the Celtics were really... It was the Larry Bird era. So he was very excited about that. I think he was happy to see me too, but really he was happy about those Celtics. The radiant face, the shining face is hard to imagine. And actually, even some of the early uh, uh, art... Uh, depicting this, struggled with it, partly because the word that's used for shining face is really about a radiance. And, that, and so some of them interpreted as a horn. So you can actually see some early art that shows Moses with a horn. But I think they missed the point there. I think there was confusion there. It's a little kind of weird for us to imagine that that was the choice. So what is this shining face? And what made them afraid? I mean, part of the fear, I don't think, is so much that, I, I mean, there, there certainly was a, 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 a strength to that shine that would go, what is that about, right? That makes you go both curious but also pull back a bit. But also, I think there's a knowledge that Moses has been in this deep encounter with God, and what is it that he has come to bring us? Are we going to hear something of God's favor or displeasure? Are we going to hear a word of hope or shame? What is it that Moses is going to bring? So fear made them pull away, but Moses called them in. It says, Moses called them in, and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him, and Moses began to speak with them. And what Moses delivers to them is good news. It is these Ten Commandments, these Ten Words, but this is all about an invitation to be a people who love God with all of your might, who put God above every idol, every other uh, passion you have, every other distraction you might have, that God would be number one. And then you begin to live into this Ten Commandments that begin to speak about how we live it out together, how we're formed into a community of people who love each other and care for each other, don't steal from each other. Don't kill each other. That's a little low bar, but that was, you know, let's establish the steps up of what it means to be a loving community. And this is a word he hears. And then, after he speaks that to Aaron and the leadership, then the rest are called in. Afterwards, all the Israelites came near. So we have this ongoing movement of Moses and God meeting and Moses bringing a word to the people of God. A, a word that begins to establish who God is and what God is calling them to be as a people. And I think one of the wonderful things that you see in this passage, but you've, if you do the arc of Exodus, is you see this commitment of Moses to turn his face toward God. This commitment to, in the best of times and the worst of times, to turn his face once again to God and come fully and honestly 
Come with the joy, certainly. I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. But also come in those times when the people are complaining about the manna and they're trying to figure out the direction of their journeys. And when they're complaining about the leadership and when they're saying, oh, you should have left us in Egypt, that was a lot of this journey as well. That Moses comes with those prayers and times before his God. And through all of that, the miracle moments of that's amazing, God, that we can see you at work. And the who are these people you have asked me to lead moments that Moses has. We can see this intimacy growing in Moses' relationship with God. We see that in this wrestling and in this turning again and again towards God to receive what God's presence has for him, that something is just grounded in Moses. In 33, 11, it says, Yahweh regularly spoke to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. In Christ, all of us are invited into that kind of encounter with God. That we would be one who comes face to face to God Almighty, God Creator, God of the universe, God who parts the sea, and bring all of us and who we are. Our grumblings and our celebrations, our wrestlings and our affirmations, our doubts and our testimonies, that we would come fully before God. And here's the amazing testimony of Scripture from the beginning all the way through, is that God is faithful to encounter us, that somehow God loves us so much as to even in the midst of some of the worst rebellion that we see in Exodus, God shows up, God forgives, God reforms and calls a people to be the people of God who then can live into this freedom, who then know chains that are broken, who then, that part of that freedom begins these artistic expressions that we heard expressed, that there's, there's beauty that comes out of that encounter. There's nothing, no conference, no speaker, no preacher, no podcast, no writer, as good and faithful as the content may, that may be, that takes a place of creating the space and time to commune with God. That some of what happens in this corporate setting is this reminder that we turn towards God, right? That we're formed by God. But then we need to carry that into our life and into the ways in which we come before God in the in-between times. I think it's one of the great gifts of my life to have these opportunities to preach because it really makes me dive back into scripture, wrestle again, look at sometimes passages that I wouldn't have just picked out for myself. And there's something within that that forms and reforms me. The women I met yesterday who are on this journey of offering uh, places for scripture study uh, across the week are women who have committed into that same kind of wrestling and it's a gift for them as they do that work, as they bring the prayers, of the real prayers of the people of their, of their communities before God and then wrestle it out with scripture. I think each of us have that invitation to, to, to come before God and to come before his word and ask God to encounter us once again. That is the invitation to the holy mountain, right? 
And there's something in there that all of us have to reset and all of us have to find ways of doing in particular seasons. For me, when I was in seminary and I was doing biblical studies, and for me, the times with God was just reading a psalm and being still before God. Because there was all sorts of engagement with scripture in other places, but I just needed to have this quiet before God where I wasn't trying to, 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 to work with it in the particular way that I was being taught in seminary. My mom is 91. I've talked about her before. And she just recently said, you know, it's been a while since I've read through the Bible in its entirety. And she has uh, diminished vision significantly, and so she's listening to it. And so when I talk to her, she'll report what she's up to and where she is as she listens to Scripture being washed over her. Uh, N.T. Wright says that the scriptures, the way that we come to scriptures sometimes is that we treat it like um, we're going to listen to five measures of a great uh, piece by Mozart. But we only do the five measures and then, well, next week I'll come to the next five measures. And he's like, listen to the whole and then come back and study those particulars. There's something in that invitation, again, that looks different according to the stages of life. There's times when it's a psalm. It's times when we need it read over us. It's times when we're going to do a deep study. It's times when we're going to practice the praying of Scripture called Lectio Divina, where we pray Scripture and ask the Holy Spirit to rise up a phrase or word for us. There's all sorts of ways, but we're all called to come that we might encounter God have God reveal himself to us once again and be a people then who have shining faces into the world. And that's part of what Moses does is Moses certainly brings all this wrestling, but he also prays, may, may I see your glory, O God. Show me your glory, O God. Which isn't just that the power of God, it is the character of God. That, that who God is not only reveals himself to Moses, but then it really forms who Moses is, right? That God is faithful and merciful and forgiving and holy and powerful and sacrificial and steadfast, and Moses carries that deep knowledge of who God is and then walks out in the knowledge that this is the God who's with him and for him and has not departed from him. But also, what we see in Moses is the more that he encounters God, I feel we, we see a, a deepening of his love for the people that God has put before him. I mean, he intercedes so passionately for these people, doesn't he? When you look at it. So the more he encounters God, the more he's filled with God's love, the more he loves the people under his care, the people that God has put before him that he brings a word for. There's something really powerful that gives a witness that love is a good fruit when, of spending time with God. And we want to look at what those fruits are. You talked about that some already last week. In chapter 33, we see that Moses has made a regular practice of going to the tent of meeting. I love that. I don't know what your tent of meeting looks like, for me, sometimes that's getting the house quiet, that's turning everything off, that's shutting down my cell phone, 
For me, sometimes it's lighting a candle to mark this time and breathing and being present before God. Just some space in there. It can look different. Sometimes it's, it's uh, listening to something in my ears of scripture being read over me and guided in prayer as I, as I walk kind of the, the water's edge of San Diego. What's your tent of meeting? And how are you going there? And how is that forming you? What's the fruit of that? These carved out moments create a change in us as we encounter this living, holy God. And it helps us then just walk out. Now, I'm still a person who would love the whole map, and I think Moses did too. But so often, it's just this one step forward. And I also have to admit that when I come before God with all those wrestlings and questions, they're not all resolved. I don't think they're all resolved for Moses, right? But there's this assurance that God is with me and that I can rest and bring down all the, the things that trigger kind of a frantic energy in me and brings a trust, renewal of trust, that I can, I can walk this out faithfully. All these things I can't control, but I can walk this out faithfully because I've encountered a living God, a holy God, a God who is above all things and in all things and is at work through us as we come. So some days it's not all resolved, but it is still good. And some days I can, I can sense that deep sense of God's presence. And some days I claim it by faith. But one of the things that we see in this passage is that in this encounter with God, that Moses' face is changed. It's shining. But what I like is Moses is unaware of that. Moses isn't aware that this has happened to him. It is in his encounter to God, as he turns his face to God, that his face reflects who God is. And I think that if we're creating these spaces in which we're encountering God and wrestling with God and praying with God and worshiping God and thanking God, that there's something about our countenance that we're actually unaware of but we carry a testimony into our world. There was one young woman in a church who I know just really struggled with really understanding and accepting that God's love was for her. And she talked about her not knowing this love of God. And there's all sorts of complicated reasons for why that was hard for her to walk out and to receive. But I walked in as she was teaching a group of like four-year-olds and as she's talking to them about God's love, her face was shining. Her face was shining. She wasn't aware of it. That in her wrestling over even the preparation to teach four-year-olds about God's love, something was happening within her. And there was a beautiful witness as she spoke this love of God over these four-year-olds. She believed it for them. And I believe the more she taught it and believed it for them, it began to reach deeper places of her life. I think we need more shining faces in our world who maybe aren't saying and fighting, but actually giving witness 
to I have been with the Lord and I bring to you the love of God and a good news of a God who forgives, a God who saves, a God who brings freedom. Second Corinthians, we read from this already, but earlier it says, this is a confidence that we have through Christ in the presence of God. It isn't that we ourselves are qualified to claim that anything came from us. No, our qualification is from God. He has qualified us as ministers of a new covenant, not based on what is written, but on the Spirit, because what is written kills, but the Spirit gives life. That we might encounter the life of God and bring that life of God into our world. But whenever someone turns back to the Lord and the veil is removed, the Lord is a spirit, and where the Lord's spirit is, there is freedom. All of us are looking with unveiled faces at the glory of the Lord as if we were looking in a mirror. We are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to the next degree of glory. This comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. This is what we're invited into encountering God and from that encountering giving a witness to the world of a God who reigns, a God who loves, a God who can make a way, and a God that we trust and rest in. Let's pray together. We thank you, God, for you are good. That first, before we can even begin to think about turning ourselves, our face toward yours, your face has been toward us with arms outstretched, saying, here I am, here I am. And so, God, we pray that we would be a faithful people and hearing that call once again of here I am and we respond, I come, I listen, I receive you this day, O oh God. And we pray for your transforming presence to make us and move us and give us shining faces into the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.